Lord, we have, particularly, Lord, we pray for our, those that are in the military, Lord, who are fighting for the freedoms of this country. And I know, Lord, that uh, we don't like war, but sometimes war is inevitable. We had this great country because people were willing to die for it. Freedom meant more to them than being under the tyranny of someone else, Lord. They wanted to be able to worship freely. And Lord, we just thank you for their sacrifices, Lord. We just honor them this morning. In Jesus' name, they said, amen. Now I know everybody probably knows it's, vet it's a Veterans Day, it's Memorial Day. And Memorial Day was set up to remember our soldiers, those that have died and those that are still serving. How many have had either been in the military or had a parent or loved one in the military? Yeah, I know Randy, Brother Randy is in the Army, so he's a veteran, Cliff's a veteran. And uh, I know that uh, our generation saw a lot more death and war than this generation that we have now. It, uh, I grew up in the Vietnam era, and a lot of my classmates, friends, and loved ones died in that war. And what they pulled out, which you know was ridiculous, because if they just hung on another couple weeks, they would have won. But when they came home, they were not respected. They were not honored. They were spit on. They were called baby killers. So they weren't, we didn't honor them like we should. I'm glad that that's changed. I'm glad that we honor those veterans that come home and those that are still serving. And I tell everybody, like I do, if I see somebody in a uniform, I thank them for their service. I shake their hand, and I thank them. Whether it's in the military or a policeman, I thank them. Because they have their lives on the line for us. And war isn't pretty. There's a lot of good war movies that we watch, but that don't give us any idea of what war really was and is. And uh, if we could see the actual war itself, if we were involved in it, we would be thankful for God that we didn't have to go. <laughs> but our loved ones have served, and I'm thankful for them. And there's nothing worse, well, a loved one is the hardest funerals to have, but when you have to go to a funeral of someone that was died in a war, those are tough because they not only lose their life for this country, they lost their future. Young men, very young men. That's when we had the draft and everybody had basically had to serve in some way. And I wish they'd bring it back because it teach, taught and teaches our young men and women how to be disciplined. And they discipline them very well in the military. And it's not a piece of cake to go through boot camp. I told Randy many times, I thought, man, I should have went in the service after, where I got, after I got out of high school because the benefits 
are great. They pay for your college, and you, you know, and things like that. So it's, the benefits are great. Of course, if you do, you could get killed too. But I believe that it, when it's your time, it's your time. Whether it's you know sitting in a parking lot or on the battlefield, and if at least when your servicemen get honored now when they've given their life, and I'm thankful for that. I'm very patriotic, my generation is, and our, our children that we raised are very patriotic, and I'm thankful that I can leave that to my kids. We need to raise our kids to be patriotic, otherwise they're gonna rob us of our freedom a little bit at a time, just like we see that they're trying to do. They're trying to take our guns away, they're trying to outlaw prayer and different Christian things. But it's amazing how the only one that they want to outlaw is Christianity. They break the law with that Muslim woman that wears that thing around her head. She's not allowed to do that according to the laws that they have in Congress. They have to be, not be able to wear that stuff. Of course, when they wrote it, it wasn't uh, the Constitution or the, whatever it was, they didn't have that specific rule. They had it that you had to come in with your head, no hats and nothing like that and respect the position that they were in. So every day she goes, she's breaking the law. And I don't think she should have, be able to wear it. And I'm sick of her and her statements against Israel and Christianity, and nobody says anything. The Democrats are so far left that it, they have a, a, this presidential election that they have, it's one, it's one to see who can go more liberal than the other guy. I can promise more free stuff than this guy, so vote for me. But they don't realize that nothing's free. Yeah. I had one of the presidential candidates wants to give $1,000 to every person thinks that'll help the homeless situation. Really? Oh, it won't. <laughs> They've tried that before in some, some places and it never works. Free stuff is not a blessing like that. I know that if you work your whole life and get Social Security, you earned it. It's your money. It's not theirs to deal with. And yet they borrowed it and spent it and then they tell us it's an entitlement. It ain't entitlement. It was mine. I earned it. And if you're on Social Security this morning, you earned it. Yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, they treat us like we're thieves trying to get our benefits, and yet they, every illegal that comes across the border gets Social Security benefits, free health care and stuff. I want our own people to have those things and forget the illegals. If they don't get free stuff, they aren't gonna come. And uh, we need to do something about it or we aren't gonna have a country. The left wants all the illegals in here that they can get because they know that one day they might get control and then they can put them on the voting rolls and there'll never be another conservative voted into office because they'll be overwhelmed by illegals that they've made citizens. And it isn't fair to those that have waited in line to come here, so. But today is Memorial Day and I honor those that have served. 
Why did farmers and factory workers, business owners and suppliers, teachers and students give up their livelihood, families, and live in places like Lexington and Concord, Shiloh, Cold Harbor, Gettysburg, Verdun, Bella Wood, Normandy, Okinawa, the Guadalcanal, I can't even pronounce that one, Incun, Porkchop Hill, Korea, Ladang Valley, Saigon, Da Nang, Bastra, Tikrit, and Afghanistan, and Iraq. They did it because they believed in the cause of freedom and liberty. Amen. And if you could talk to those soldiers who lost their lives, would you do it again? And every one of them would say, yes. Because that was the era I was raised in. We were raised in the era of being patriotic. We said the Pledge of Allegiance every single morning in school. And yet now we can't do it because it's under God. So we'll take that part out. That's ridiculous. This is our country. I'm tired of people coming in here and trying to change it. Amen. And I'm tired of people coming in from California who don't like the, like the tax system or the way they're running the state. Then they come here and they want to be to have this place just like the place they left. And the Muslims supposedly come here to be free, but they don't assimilate into our society. They have their own separate areas. In Minnesota, is it that they have that big compound city? Nobody goes there, strictly Muslim. They're under Sharia law. And that's illegal. In America, that's illegal. We need to go in there and clean that place out. Because it isn't fair to those young girls to be mutilated when they're children. To me, that just makes me very angry. And it should make you angry, the things that they do to little girls. Because they don't want them to be promiscuous. So they fix it so they can't be. And they'll only have their own husbands, the ones that they assign for them. Sometimes, you know, you get a five-year-old marrying a four-year-old. When is that right? Never. They don't get to be married on their own free choice. And in, this was in America, and we allow it. Why? Because we're afraid if we don't, that a terrorist will blow up something. Look what's happened in England, in Europe, all the terrorist attacks that they have. Why is that? It's because they've allowed Muslims to enter the country. And along with them, all these uh, people that believe in the, the, the jihad. And they, are, they don't care if they die, as long as they can kill somebody else. And it's almost every day that they're having a bomb over there somewhere. So we should be honored and thankful that we don't have to deal with that kind of stuff in this country. But the way things are going, without monitoring our borders, these people can come in. So we need to be more careful and we need to be more faithful to God and our country and be willing to say, no, that's enough. I've had enough. And start standing up for the foundation of which we were raised. Now this morning I want to look at what God honors and uses as a memorial. It's great to be remembered and given a place of honor for things that we've done 
but it's even more important to be remembered by God himself for what we have done for him. That's a greater honor. Acts 10, 1 to 6. At Caesarea, there was a man called Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the, as the Italian reg regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius? Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before the Lord. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who was called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now when we realize who Cornelius was, this is a very, very special story. See, Cornelius wasn't a Jew. He's a Gentile. And he was faithful to God. And I would love to have that story written about me. Wouldn't that be great that God could say those kind of things about us? If we do the things he did, he would. Now, what Cornelius did, today we call devout. He was devout in his faith. He was basically sold out to God. But remember, he was in, living in the Old Testament period, even though it's recorded in the New Testament. And he was a commander of legions of Rome that occupied Israel. And that's really even adds to the intrigue of the story. Ain't a story. I hate to say story because when we say story, we think it's a fairy tale. But it wasn't a fairy tale. This was actually something that happened. And um, <clears throat> Cornelius wasn't satisfied with just being an ordinary godly man. He had a desire to know God in a deeper way and bring his own family closer to God. He wasn't satisfied with the condition of his heart or soul and knowledge of God. He wanted more of God, not just for his own benefit, but for the benefit of our family. The more we get of God, the more we have God in our life. It not only benefits us, it benefits everyone around us. It makes it easier, you know, when you're at work and things don't go well. The closer we are to God, those things don't bother us as much. They bother us a lot the further we are away from God. And I don't like it. Sometimes I, I'm as guilty as you are at doing that. I get irritated and frustrated with stuff that goes wrong. It seems like every time I turn around, you get over one thing, and then there's something else you got to deal with. And it's hard. It's hard living in the world today. But it was even harder then. You know, back then, you know, you could be thrown to the lion's den. That doesn't sound like a fun experience. How many want to visit the, the lions? I've seen those at the zoo. I do not want to come close to them, you know? Let them, let them stay there. So there was a lot of danger involved sometimes when serving God back then. 
But he spent a lot of time in fasting and prayer and seeking God. And I believe that most pe people don't hear from God because that they don't want to bad enough. God speaks to us every day. You say, wow, really? Yes, he does. Sometimes it's through what someone says. Sometimes it's when we read his word. Sometimes God drops a thought into our heart. So if we're listening closely to what he says, we'll know it. But if we're wrapped up in the world, we won't. Because God doesn't yell to get our attention. He whispers. And we think, well, man, I want God to send an angel to me. I'd like that too. Wouldn't that be cool? Having God send an angel to us. And tell us, hey, your works or your offerings and your things that you've done, sacrifices, God has noticed them. That'd be something. And I believe that if it took an angel for someone to accept Christ as our Savior, he would send one. Because God will do anything he can to save us. I mean, of course, he did everything he could. I mean, God emptied heaven, gave us Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So if it would be an angel, would you make the difference? He would send them. But if we look at people that have had great experiences, like the ones that followed Jesus at the time he was on this earth, you know, he ministered to thousands of people. You know, when he fed the 5,000, they only counted the men. They didn't count the children or the women. Women didn't get vote back then either. <laughs> so if you add that up, it was probably ten to 15,000 people that was fed on that day. And then the other time he fed the 4,000, counting just the men. So he had thousands and thousands of people that followed him. But there was only 120 in the upper room. Man, they missed out. That's really, you know, I, man, I kicked myself all around, over the ground of the block, knowing that I missed that. That's why we want to come to church as much as we can, because that's the time we may miss something. And then when Jesus ascended to heaven, there was only 500 people. Where are the thousands that followed him? So it's amazing that they could see all the miracles that Jesus performed and not turn their lives over to him. But if that's what it took for someone to be saved, he would do it. So I, I believe that with all my heart. That's why I pray, God, whatever it takes for someone to hear the gospel and accept them, send them. Whether it be natural, through men, or supernatural. Because we all want our loved ones to be saved, don't we? We love them and we, don't, we want them to be in heaven with us. <clears throat> Do we really want to know God's will? Do we really want to hear from him? Do we desire to feel his presence, hear his voice, see his glory manifested in our lives? God wants to bless us, but sometimes he waits to see if we really want his blessing. There are too many people that come to church and they don't want God's presence, they just want to put in their time, just like a chore. I have to clean the bathroom today, and tomorrow I have to go to church, because it's something that we consider 
a chore. In reality, it's a blessing to be able to come to church. I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but I know if you read the book of Revelation, it ain't going to be nice someday. I don't know what time that will be, but it's going to happen. And I pray to God it won't be anybody here that has this left when God comes and takes his church home. I pray that. And I pray when I stand before God and give an account for everything I did as a pastor here. I pray that I will have nothing negative said about me for what I've done for him. Because that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to serve God. And if I can't serve him by good or being a good pastor and preaching the right messages and doing the things God wants me to do, then I might as well sit back there let somebody else do it. But see, God put a call in my heart to do this. This isn't an easy thing to do. People think, oh man, it's just a one thing a week to do. Well, there's more involved than just finding something out of the Bible to preach on. Of course, that itself is a chore, trying to figure out what God wants you to preach that week. Then you spend hours and hours fine-tuning that message and trying to get it to where you consider it preachable. And you ought to be glad to know that I probably cut a lot of pages out of my notes. <laughs> because otherwise it'd be longer. So I go through it and I fine-tune it all the time. I spend hours and hours on sermons. Even if it doesn't show, I do. And I pray to God that God will anoint every message that I preach here. Because that's what I want. I want God's anointing on my messages. I want God's anointing in my heart. I want to see an outpouring of the Spirit in this church. That's my desire. Because when that happens, revival breaks out in this church, we won't be able to seat everybody that would come. And it wouldn't matter who's in this podium. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that calls people. We can invite people to church, but only the Holy Spirit can convert them. So, but we have to put, do the things we need to do, whether it be to witness to them or bring them to church. But God ultimately is the one that saves people. <clears throat> now, Cornelius was such a righteous man that his religion, his lifestyle, it had it spilled over into every area of his life. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, back those days, I mean, when you was a warrior or in the, a soldier, you know, it was a lot bloody, you know, with swords and stuff, because that's the weapons that they had, swords and staffs and other things. So, you know, I can't even imagine that. We watch some of these old movies and stuff and think, wow. But... Anyway, it was for him to be, live a moral life under those conditions. See, and that tells us, too, that it's okay to be in the army. It's okay to fight if you need to. If it wasn't, then Cornelius would have had to quit his job. But he didn't. He influenced more people where he was at than he would if he wasn't there. He had a whole legion of soldiers that he had authority over. So... And he could force them to come to church. All right, everybody's going to church today. Let's go. Yes, sir. And then he'd probably prayed for them every day. But Cornelius had integrity. And he was the same at home as he was 
when he was at his knees before God. A lot of times we have a bad testimony because we are one person in church and we're one person at home and one person when we go out in the world. We need to be the same person in church, at home, at work, or anywhere else that we go. And we need to ask God to help us not to be a, a hypocrite. And I know all that word is, some, is sound and very negative, but it just means somebody that acts in a certain way. They're not living it, they're acting. They're just putting on an act, doing things that they feel obligated to do. But when we have God in our hearts and in our lives the way we have today, remember Cornelius didn't have the benefit of what we have. Of course, he, he did get the benefit of it later on, but at the time he was doing all this, he, it was the Old Testament. It was uh, the Pharisees that were teaching him. But he was, there were very few Pharisees that were called devout. So he lived his religion, and that's the best thing we can do. We are the old, best religion that people can see in our lives. <clears throat> and sometimes the problems that we have are because our hearts aren't right with God. I know we hate to admit that. We think, oh, well, I just had to go this problem one way or the other. But sometimes we add problems to our life that are unnecessary because of our heart. And God needs to send problems in, in a way to get us back on the right path. So I don't like it, but God's, you know, molding each one of us. I mean, when we get saved, you know, that road that we're used to walking on was huge, and now it's very narrow. So we're zigzagging through there on that road, and the longer we serve God and the more dedicated we come to him, pretty soon we're in the middle of that road, that narrow road. And that's where God wants us. <clears throat> now his devotion to prayer and fasting reached the throne room of God. And God recorded them. Every time Cornelius taught his troops or his family about God, it was recorded. God kept a record of everything Cornelius did to reach out to him. Now God records everything today too. He's still keeping records. He's still recording what he has written about us this week. Now the Bible says even the hairs of our head are numbered. And I know that some have, God has to change them daily. You know, Randy has lost a lot of, a few hairs here and there, so God had a big eraser. Oh no, not another one. Come on, come on. How many more hairs are you going to lose? But he, he knows everything about us. He records everything. He writes down how much we prayed or fasted. Did he write down how many times we witnessed this week, read our Bible or meditated on his word, or did he just record what we watched on TV? That's a terrible epitaph for us. Every day God adds to our story. Every day he writes down things that remind him of our faithfulness. Whatever we do, God is recording it. And it never stops. The only change that he makes in his recordings is when we commit a sin and we ask for forgiveness. And God blots that out. 
because we're covered by the blood. I don't know whether you've ever seen invisible ink. How many of you have ever seen invisible ink? You haven't? Well, you write it and it looks good and then all of a sudden it just disappears. It's kind of cool when I seen it the first time. I meant, you know, that's kind of what God does with us. You know, we did it, but we're covered by the blood, so it disappears. And I like that. You know, I'm glad that, that I have that option, that the things in my life, God erases or, or uh, does away with, and he don't remember it anymore. Now, the God who knows everything in this world, past, present, and future, can't remember our sins when we confessed them and had asked Christ into our lives. Now, that's something. God, it's like it would never happen. And that, to me, is extraordinary. <clears throat> Why did Cornelius spend so much time in prayer and fasting? It's because he feared God. He knew God was real and the most important thing in, my, in his life. And when God is the most important thing in our lives, our lives will change. I like to think that God is the most important thing in my life, but sometimes, you know, we, we slip. I mean, I'm no different than you are. You know, I try to do the best that I can, and every night before we sleep, we pray and ask God for forgiveness for the things we may not know. And sometimes, you know, when we know that we've sinned, because usually the Holy Spirit will prick your heart and say, hey, that ain't right. Confess it, and we need to confess it. Otherwise, it starts getting buried, and it turns into a root of bitterness. So I'm thankful for that. Christians don't fast and pray much anymore because they have lost their fear of God. We've preached the love of God so much that God is sugar-coated, sugar the gospel sugar-coated. They think, oh, God loves me. He isn't going to send anybody to hell. God is a God of love, and he would never do that. Well, I spanked my kids when they were little. I disciplined them, and he has to discipline them. We need to realize that one day we will be standing before the Lord to give an account of our life, either at the Bema Judgment, which is a reward ceremony. That's the one we want to be at. You know, I don't care if everything I've done gets burned up. I want to be there. And if you're not there, then you're at the great white throne judgment. And if you're there, there's no hope. Hope's gone. Because once we pass through the veil of death, whatever decisions we've made, that's eternal. And we need to start making sure that our family and friends realize that. God is a God of love, but he still is a judge. And we've sugarcoated it. We need to quit sugarcoating things. Even to our own lives. Sometimes we get complacent about things, too. <clears throat> we don't teach our kids about God or encourage them to read the Bible, but Harry Potter and vampires are okay. Then we wonder why our kids don't grow up to be devout Christians. I know that the school system has changed a lot, and they're, some of their required reading is stuff that I would never read. And if your kids are required to do that, spend a visit at the office, at the school, and tell them, hey, my kid isn't doing this. And they're forcing them now to um, study 
homosexuality as an alternate lifestyle. They're teaching them about Muslims, but they're not teaching them about Christianity. That's illegal. You can't do that. And I've asked, you know, talked to my husband about this, and I said, I wonder why, you know, that they're so adamant about it. It's because they're afraid of them. They're afraid they will bomb us like they are over there in Europe. But we can't be afraid of that. We've got to give the truth out there, regardless of whether people like it or not. They didn't like Jesus' teaching, a lot of them. They hated him. That's why they killed him. He was doing, taking too many members out of their church, and they didn't like it. So we need to understand that we, we have to mold our kids. We watch a lot of uh, movies on the Turner Movie Channel or whatever it is, these old movies. You know, there's a lot of good old movies. I've seen some that I don't think I've ever seen. Of course, when you get old, you can see them one month and then watch it next month and don't know that you'd watched it before. Until you're about two-thirds of the way through the movie and we think, I've seen this before. Oh, well, my sister's watching it now. <laughs> so there are some good programming there. We just have to be good parents and make sure that our kids aren't doing a lot of things that is going to not please God. Because God holds us accountable for our children, and especially dads. You're the ones who going to be held, held accountable because you're the one that's the head of the family. <clears throat> Cornelius was also generous in his giving. He gave his time, and that's sometimes the hardest thing we can give is our time. You know, I'll give you money, but don't ask for my time. And there's a lot of people that do that. Say, well, I'll just give them 100 bucks. I don't want to give them any time. And we think that's okay. But he gave his time, his time, money. And he gave his money, too. I'll tell you, it's hard to get people to give sometimes. I tell them, you know, all you got to do, you know, the hard thing for, for God to do is get in our wallets. You know, he, he asked us for 10% and then offerings. And I know as believers, everything belongs to God. It doesn't matter how much we give, it's how much we get to keep. And there's been no one that's been faithful to God that God hasn't been faithful to. No one. And I know it's hard to give when we don't have enough money. But those are the times we need to, because God will provide. He said he would, and I believe it. If God said it, I believe it. Whether anybody else, whether the world doesn't believe it, it doesn't matter. If it's in here, I believe it. Even if I don't like it, I believe it. And there's a lot of things in here I don't like. <laughs> How many have found those things sometimes? You, man, why did that have to be in there? Man, I, I was going along happy, and then I happened to read that verse. That's God speaking to us. So we need to um, <clears throat> do right by our children and by our family. Because <clears throat> God recorded Cornelius every time he stopped to lend a helping hand, every time he dropped money in the offering, everything he recorded. And because of his faithfulness and love and his generosity, God wanted to send the true gospel to him. And this, was a, this wasn't even, even a Jew. 
After all, only Jews could be saved, they thought. They didn't think these Greeks could be saved unless they became a Jew. So this blew everything out of the water for them. <clears throat> what memorial do we want to come before God? What do we want our epitaph to say? Because we are writing our epitaph right now. Wouldn't it be better if God wrote our epitaph? That would really be nice. When we die and we have the funeral and God writes the epitaph for it. This is a, this. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? If you're going to die, you might as well, like I tell people, if, if you're going to die as a believer, you might as well turn in an opportunity to preach to your family. I preach God's word at funerals, whether they like it or not. Because eternity is a long time. Cornelius' search for truth was answered. <clears throat> Acts 10, 3-6. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. Distinct, he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Oh, Cornelius. Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man, a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now, God sent an angel to Cornelius to deliver a personal message from God. And he, he wanted God, uh, him to have the real gospel because this was after Christ died for our sins. And he didn't understand any of that because he only knew the Old Testament. <clears throat> now I know God hears and answers prayer. And I know that sometimes he isn't as fast at answering them as we'd like. Sometimes we have to wait a long time. And sometimes God says no. And we don't like it when God says no. Just like our kids don't like it when our parents tell us no. We told our kids no, a lot. They wanted to go out. The chores had to be done. There were certain things that they had to do. They had a time that they had to be back, and we had to know where, where they were at. This was before cell, cell phones. And they had to be where they said they were going to be. And sometimes I followed them to make sure that's where they were at. You say, whoa, what a terrible mother. No. I want to make sure that they're where they're said they is. And if they're not, well, good luck. <laughs> but they were always pretty good at that, so I didn't have to worry about that too much. But because of Cornelius' faithfulness and sincerity, God sent Peter to his house to preach the gospel and teach him about the infilling of the Holy Spirit because he only knew the Old Testament. Now, Peter was prepared by God for this encounter. He had a vision. I'm not going to go read that part, but it was the essence of it was he was asleep or awake, I don't know. And a vision, he had a vision of a sheet coming down with all these unclean animals in it, things that the Jewish people were not allowed to eat. And that's a lot. Maybe there's a pig in there, some kind of bird. I don't know what was in there. It doesn't matter. It was just stuff that Jewish people did not eat. And God told him, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, not way. 
I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. And God told him, what I have cleansed, don't you dare call it common or unclean. And this happened three times. Took three times to get it through his skull. And as soon as this vision was over, there's a knock at the door. And a man was there saying, hey, we've come to get Peter. Because uh, God wants him to preach, or whatever they told him. I don't know what to say specifically. <clears throat> so he went because he was prepared to go. Wherever you go, whatever you do, God will prepare you for the encounter. If you're going to witness to somebody and say, well, I don't know that much. It doesn't matter. God knows everything. And if we just sit there and allow God the opportunity to anoint us and speak through, through us, well, I don't have a problem. The problem is we don't believe God will do that. If we're honest with ourselves, I don't go through a lot of things. Of course, like I said, we do have things where we use the Bible and we write verses in there. All we need to worry about is the first verse, and then at the bottom there's the next verse and so on and so on as, as we lead them through salvation. Well, we don't need to worry about the words we're going to say because God said he will give us the words. Now, he preached to him the cross, death, and burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the great commission to preach the gospel to all the world. In Acts 2, 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How dare God do that? It was probably what they were saying, if they were honest. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Man, that was awesome. I love, 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 love to be preaching God's word and the Holy Spirit fall in this place. Man, I, man, I just pray for that every week that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon us in a mighty way. Because once that happens, it spreads like wildfire. We saw the wildfires this Last year, thousands of acres were burnt because fires, they just gobble up everything in its way. And that's what happens with revival when the Holy Spirit falls. It just gobbles up the whole environment, the community. And that's what I believe. I believe we're going to have one of those revivals. And I pray every day, Lord, let us send a revival. Let it start in my heart. I need a revival in my heart. Amen. How many of you need a revival? Amen. This was a rude awakening for them because this was something they didn't believe would happen. But then when they did, they didn't reject it. They knew it was from God because God was the one that filled them with the Holy Spirit. And they couldn't deny it. So they accepted him. Now, Cornelius built a memorial prayer, fasting, giving, and the service to the Lord. 
and his whole family was saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in water. What a great thing to happen. Wouldn't you just love to have your whole family saved, filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in water? I mean, this was all just boom, boom, boom. That's the way it used to happen back then. You know, the Holy Spirit would fall, and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and get baptized. It was just like the same, same day. I know that uh, now we have baptism days and things like that, but I'm okay if we need to fill up the baptismal after a Sunday service. I'm okay with that. But it's amazing the things that God can do when we dedicate our lives to him. Our lives will be a memorial to righteousness or a memorial to sin. One or the other. When our kids remember us, will they remember us as being faithful to God? That's what I want. I want my kids to remember that I tried to be faithful to God. And we didn't. We were the same at home as we were here. That's, a, I, that's what I want. I want to be the same person. A person that God can be proud of. A person that God, our family can be proud of. When I think of a devout man or woman, I think of someone who was faithful, full of integrity, and totally dedicated to God. Sold out in every area of their life. I want to be devout. Don't you? Every one of us that's a believer should want to be devout. And that can only happen when we dedicate our life fully to God. Don't hide anything from God because he sees it anyway. We're not covering anything up. We may cover it up to the people that we know, but we need to get it under the blood because one day it's going to come out. And even if it's under the blood as far as God's concerned, men dig far enough, they'll find it. You know, if you run for political office, you better look in your past because whatever you're ashamed of is going to be on the front page of the news. And they are not forgiving people. If they think they can destroy you so they can win, they will. Because it's all about winning. Politicians anymore, all they do is run for office. They get elected, and then they start running for office all over again. That's all they do. That's their career. And they're in a great position to make changes in our country and in our nation. They, don't, they are going to be accountable to God one day. And some of them aren't going to be too happy with what God has to say about them. I just hope that when I stand before God, I hear the words, Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joys that I prepared for you. That's what I want. That's what I want God to do in my life every day because I want to serve him. I have a desire to serve God. Amen? Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful for your love and your mercy and your grace. I'm thankful, Lord, that our lives are a memorial, Lord, to our family, to our friends, to our people that we work with. I pray, Lord, that the more memorial that we are building, Lord, is one, Lord, that you'd be proud of. Lord, that we wouldn't be embarrassed about anything, Lord, because we've been faithful to you. Help us, Lord to be able to be that kind of person. 
I pray, Lord, that if someone here this morning doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that, that they will come to make a decision for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Now, I know that most of us are believers, but just in case you aren't, I never want to let a service go by without giving you an opportunity. So if you're here this morning and you need God as a Savior because you haven't made that decision, anyone here this morning? Okay, praise the Lord. 